Listen. Welcome to the Dotcast from Nine Dots. Nine Dots is the online learning community for wedding photographers. Check out everything on offer to level up your photography and business at nine-dots.co. Good day, Dotcaster, and welcome back. My name's Adam Johnson, and I'm your host on this episode of the Dotcast. Today, I'm chatting to long-time Nine Dotter Nadine Van Billion, also known as the Album Ninja, or more affectionately as NVB. Nadine is based in London here in the UK and after a successful corporate sales career, she decided she wanted a different life away from the rat race, so she quit her job, travelled the world, met her husband, got married and fell in love with photography. Years later, she achieved her dream of appearing on the Nine Dots Dotcast. Jokes. Nadine shares a lot of her thought processes around selling to your clients, why sales isn't a dirty word, why you need to make it more about meeting their needs than taking their money and loads of other useful stuff. Get your pen and paper ready because I reckon you're going to want to make some serious notes from this one. Any questions, comments or feedback, search for Nine Dots on Instagram or Facebook or send an email to hello at nine-dots.co. Enough intro, on with the show. Knowing me, Adam Johnson, knowing you, Nadine Van Billion. Aha! You said it correctly, knowing me, knowing you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm actually just impressed that you pronounced my name properly. Oh, it's months of practice. Is it? You did yeah. well. So okay. where, where does that name come from? It is uh, Afrikaans, um, right. courtesy of my South African husband. I think it's probably like Belgian or Dutch descent, one of those. How do people normally pronounce it? Uh, Van Bill John, obviously, very British. Um, if people are really thinking they're hugely comedic, Van Bill Tong. <laughs> very good. <laughs> very good. Vedumtish. Uh, they just give up a lot of the time. Yeah, I can imagine there's some people that, that try and massively overdo it. You know, like when people go to a French restaurant, they think they've got to pronounce everything super perfectly, and you just yeah. think, no, please, please just say the English version of it. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, as I think most people resort to, NVB. Yeah, that's, your, that's become your nickname over the last yeah. five years since I've known you. It has. I, I, I want to believe your maiden name was like Jones or Smith. No. It was uh, Orfali, which is Turkish, which is from a town in Urfa, and Lee means from there. Oh, right. But, you know, I used to get also very interesting variations of that, Orfali being my favourite of them. Obviously a nickname at school, so I didn't really love that too much. I was quite happy to ditch that. Yeah. Bambillion's all right. Yeah, and you just have to, I mean, it's a good conversation starter as well. It is. I mean, I don't think. I think um, it should be any on any dating criteria. You know, what is your surname? Because <laughs> I don't think I could live with somebody who had a really terrible surname. Like it just the relationship would go nowhere. So it's a, definitely a screener, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and it's good. It's, it's created a good th- three letter nickname as well. It has. I know. Yeah, and also being quite. I think it does help when you are unique. That sounds so cheesy, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> don't say it does. <laughs> <laughs> don't get confused with other people oh like you're the adam johnson is he a footballer the other one um well we can Who's talk about that if you want he is a convicted sex offender pr- former <laughs> footballer <laughs> so we could go there if you want but thanks for that yes let's. yeah yeah and <laughs> the funny story i uh, like i did a talk in spain like two years ago or something and I opened with like a funny one-liner about the fact that I shared a name with a convicted sex offender, former Premier League footballer, and you've never heard silence so, so deafening because it, what I hadn't planned for was the whole the talk was being live translated through headphones. 
So this this joke, not only did it like totally clearly mistranslation, but there was like a delay on it as well. So I quickly moved on and said something else that luckily got a reaction and then quickly got used to the fact that everything I said was like a minute behind in their own ears. Uh, <laughs> it was the hardest thing in the world, but right, the worst, that's not the worst possible start. No, that's not good for comedy, is it? You need instant feedback to... Uh to, to uh, pull that one off oh my goodness yeah and the other thing on the name thing is uh, whenever I go to New York I always get pulled into this side room at customs and every time it's so it's so terrifying like I just get so nervous now if I go to New York because I know I'm going to get pulled in and what happens is you go up to the desk you hand the guy your passport yeah normally within a minute or two they look at you a few times look down at the passport a few times and then that one hand just goes under the desk and presses a button and a red <laughs> light com- red light comes on above your head <laughs> next thing another guy comes over and just asks you to come with him and you yeah. end up sat you end up sat in this room for and it's it, last time it was for over an hour and i asked the i know as i was walking out, i said why do i keep getting taken into here yeah and she and she said uh have you got like a common name and i said well yeah very and she went, well, this just means that somebody else with your name has done something bad and we just need to check you're not them. Yeah, same guy, like, is it? Yeah, no, exactly. Shush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the that's the drawback of having a common name and you'll never have that problem unless... I, no. Unless I didn't think I was unique, but I think I did find another Nadine Van Billion on the internet and I was like, no what? Way. Yeah. I can't remember what she does, though, but um, for a while... Oh, no, it's on Skype when I was... Uh, I'm looking for myself on my Skype ID. I was like, there's another Nadine Van Billion. That is crazy. I, know. I would not she expect that. Really. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. How are things in 2020 for you? Oh, I mean, like business-wise, not the best. I think that's been the same for everybody. But, you know, I'm an eternally positive person, annoyingly so sometimes. So I've just been trying to see the good, like the opportunities out of it. And uh, for me, that was having an actual summer where I didn't, because I'm an absolute sun worshipper. So with a really hot summer, having to sit in my editing cave is torture, literal torture to me. So not having to worry about any of that this year has been a little bit of a blessing. So I've kind of enjoyed it. I've got the best child I've ever had in 2020. That's a, that's a big plus. Um, that's good. It's good. Yeah. I think looking for the positives has been good. And also that, that definitely been one that I've taken is the whole, we're never going to be given a summer off again. So we yeah. might as well enjoy the fact we've got a summer off, even though it's laced with a little bit of anxiety, I suppose, of everything yeah. else that's going on. But yeah, good, good work on the tan, good work on having the summer. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I've been winning on the parenting thing because, you know, my girls have actually seen me and I haven't had too many do you have to go why do you have to go to a wedding why do you have to leave us you know all that guilt trip that you get every weekend when you're going off for a wedding yeah. so i've heard that a lot less this year which has been nice um but what's it been like to i know you've uh, you just literally just come back from a wedding so what's it been like starting up again um like riding a bike almost which i'm not very good at so that's probably not <laughs> good at a bit wobbly exactly that's probably a bit wobbly um I've, this is my third wedding. I've just had three weddings. I feel like I'm, that's a lot now, suddenly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we've had three weddings this year. Um, the first one was a pretty normal wedding, actually. And uh, I was amazed at how I could remember how to do everything quite easily. Um, second one was a nice, intimate little one, which I thought finishing at four o'clock is quite nice, as opposed to 4 a.m., which I normally sort of, you know, quite happy to go to. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I thought quite I could see the appeal of this getting home, feet up on the sofa, cup of tea, 
importing the cards and all that. Uh, so I did kind of thought, oh, maybe a slight change of style here. No, probably not. And then my last wedding, I did a 21-hour shift. They wanted me to start at quarter past seven in the morning, and I went to bed at quarter past four in the morning. Wow. So that's from one, you know, one end of the spectrum to the other, wasn't it? But that, so, was yeah. obviously, that was a destination wedding. It was a destination wedding. And uh, there was just lots going on and toing and froing between different venues and just uh, different parts of the day. You know, there was a tiny, tiny bit of downtime in between, but obviously we didn't take the downtime. We were looking for other things and, oh, they might be going for a swim down the lake. Let's go and try and follow them down to the lake. Couldn't find them. You know, that was an hour I could have been lying down, like conserving energy for later. But we tried at least, you know, we tried. Yeah, so, yeah, you've got to do that. You've got to do that. It's been nice to be out there and mixing with people. I like people. I know you don't necessarily. But <laughs> hey, I like, hey, I like hey. meeting new people. <laughs> that is a sweeping accusation. I mean, maybe it's accurate, but you, but still, <laughs> don't throw that at me on, on the podcast. I, I know you're not. I Talk listeners, people. he's really nice, really, but you know, <laughs> he doesn't really, he doesn't like like meeting new people too regularly. <laughs> it's just not my, it's just not my comfort zone. I love it at weddings, though. I love it at weddings. So, I mean, that's if we rewind many, many years, yeah. uh, not that many, obviously, because you're only about twenty three. But mm-hmm. well, you remember when you were a high powered businesswoman for IBM? Yes, I do. I do uh, and if, if somebody told you then to, that fast forward so many years, you'd be a, well, a wedding photographer, what would you have said? Um, I might have laughed in their face, just like, <laughs> it's so far removed from what I was doing. Exactly. You know, and I was like climbing the corporate ladder and on the executive path. Um, yeah. So, so connect the dots then. How, how, did, how did it come from that to where you are now? I think it, it was a slow realisation that I did not love IT outsourcing, you know? Which is hard to not love it. I mean, why wouldn't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Love it's so glamorous. It sounds so glamorous. <laughs> it is such an interesting subject. <laughs> um, I I just knew for a while that like I'm a hard worker and I was working hard, but I wasn't absolutely loving what I was doing. And when you spend so much of your day working, then you've got it. Just felt like nonsense to be doing something that you don't really love and. When the IT outsourcing magazine used to plop through the door, you know, through the letterbox, it would still be in its cellophane like six months later and I'd have like these, a stack of them. I thought that may be a clue that I'm not really that interested in this, you know. I just didn't really care where anything was going. And um, so I just knew that something had to change and I didn't really know what. So I figured I'm just going to have to make a radical change and took a year off work to go traveling around the world, just with my eyes open to absolutely anything. Like the only thing that I was not going to do was at the end of the year, come back to London and work for IBM. But anything else was open, like open for absolutely anything. And uh, I'd got into sailing a bit. So I thought it was probably going to be something water sports related or sailing instructor or something like that. So anyway, just went around the world, had a, a great a great time, kind of met my husband in the yachting world like nine months in. Well, he wasn't my husband then. He was like <laughs> a man on a boat. Oh, there you but, are, husband. <laughs> husband, <laughs> I've lost you all these years. Um, yeah, I met him nine months in. He was in the industry that I was kind of most interested in at the time and just kind of like ended up together with no great, no great plan. I mean, I was on a path this way, you know, going off to the Middle East and Dubai and um, en route home. And he was off, you know, the other direction 
So um, this is a very long-winded story of saying it's actually <laughs> our wedding where we got married ourselves. We had an amazing photographer in South Africa. And when I saw his photos, I thought, wow, like that's, that's art. You know, because all wedding photos I'd seen up until, until then were really traditional and really boring. But um, I thought that's something I could do. I could be interested in that. Of all the arts, photography is the one that I was most interested in. Um, so I, I kind of uh, signed up to a course to do it, really. I was going to do it in South Africa, and then the guys that were offering it fell out and pulled the course. <laughs> then uh, I found a UK equivalent instead, and uh, that, was, that was the start of it. And then was that, a new was career. That, was, was, that the tra- was that the trained eye that you... The trained eye, yeah, yeah. by Mike Garrard. And yeah. it was brilliant because it... I need structure and I need a plan, you know, and I need to be accountable to people with timelines. Otherwise it just doesn't get done. Yeah. That's the corporate so, thing. Must be. Yeah. Or, or maybe I was in the army in a former life, you know, but I, like <laughs> and I need people to say, you need to have this thing done by this time. And then my God, will I make it happen? Whereas if it's just only on my agenda, it's like, oh, I'll get around to that. Oh, yeah, something yeah. else has popped up. So I like the fact that within 12 months, you will have weddings under your belt, a portfolio, a contract, pricing, you know, website and, you know, a marketing plan. So, and then it's exactly what happened. And I hit the ground running after that. And here we are. And here we are. Here we are at the pinnacle pinnacle of your career now on the Nine Lots podcast. Yeah. I know. That's like, what is it? Seven years now. Yeah. I was talking to a couple uh, maybe two episodes ago, Sanjay Gohill about kind of, I think anyway, that I think people who've had a corporate background does teach you that, that whole thing about deadlines and, and working to a deadline and getting things finished. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've definitely brought out of having like corporate yeah. jobs before that yeah. I'm able to, I'm able to get like focus on a task and get it finished. Cause I love getting stuff finished. Like, yeah. Almost like the thing that for me that makes me tick is getting something done. Yeah. Rather than just like starting it and working on it. Like I don't really like, I don't really love that side of it. I love getting things finished. Then the next thing finished, then the next thing's finished. So, and I think that's come from having bosses that go, this has got to be done by Friday. This has got to be done by next Tuesday. Absolutely. And for me, and like the thing that I've probably taken out of that most is um, like client accountability. Like, well, if I try to say you'll have your photos by this particular time, because then I know I won't let them down. Like I will stay up till four o'clock in the morning to get it done because I've said to them, you'll have the rest of your photos tomorrow. And even if something else crops up, <clears throat> I said it, so I am going to deliver it. I am not going to fail on that. So I think that, that, that helps when you've got lots of things to juggle is to just say something to your client because then, then it's almost like a contract for me. Like, even if I know they're super friendly and understanding, it's like, I do not want to be the one coming back and saying, no, I need more time. Sorry. Like, yeah. 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 No. Very true. And um, I mean, you, you make it sound like you don't normally stay up till 4am, but obviously just before we started here, you said you're currently staying up till <laughs> two, three, four in the morning watching Netflix. I know. So. Like, listen, you know, I'm trying to make it sound like I'm really professional and going all out for my clients. Not that I could, I've just got a superpower that uh, it comes naturally. I've been doing it all my corporate life. I remember, I think being a student, uh, when I just started working in IT, I remember going out all night and literally rocking up to the office having not slept at all and, and pulling a full day, you know, a full eight, nine hour day in the office, walking around going, morning, morning, really bright and breezy. And the people that I was out with, like, how are you not dying right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you were the annoying one. You were the annoying one that didn't have a hangover. And- I am. Never had a hangover, still to this day. And you've think- seen me. 
having uh, yeah. a, giving it a good go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only really remember one one hangover in my whole life as well. Ah, yeah. fellow non hangover Yeah, yeah, yeah. I annoy, I annoy people just as much as you. So, but yeah. talking like obviously the, from the corporate to weddings via a sailing boat where you met your husband. Yeah. Um, what else have you brought into kind of wedding photography business from those days, like mindset wise, I guess, and when working with clients? Um, like putting them first and listening to them. So um, I am a salesperson. So, I mean, I'm, we're going to probably talk about that because that's everything I always end up talking about sales. But um, the real uh, key to good selling, really, that I have learned, and it is a process that I learned at IBM, is it's more about asking questions and listening to your clients and then tailoring what you say. So I know a lot of people focus on you know, finding your voice and you know, putting your stuff out there. It is true. It is absolutely true. And you do need to have that and you need to know what you're about. But how you choose to say it and how you choose to phrase it and the tone and the language and the energy that you use, if you can just tweak that to each individual client, because all our clients are different. We might have a sort of genre of, oh, outgoing party people, but there might be one of them in the relationship that is a bit calmer and quieter and not so vivacious. And it's, it's being able to tailor what you say and how you say it in a way that is going to resonate more with them. So I think that's, that's what I maybe do, you know, maybe a little bit differently is I don't just like talk to my clients with what I have to say. I make them tell me what they need to hear. Yeah. And then I read their body language and their energy. You know, some people are <clears throat> like humor is their thing, or some people are a bit anxious and nervous and need lots of reassurance. So what I'm doing as my service isn't any different. What I'm offering isn't any different. But how I'm going to communicate what I can deliver to them, it's just subtle differences in, in the delivery, I think. Is this what you would call, is this what you've called consultative selling in the past? Yeah, yeah. So it's, the consultative aspect is asking the questions first. You know, yeah. how are they feeling? What are they most excited about? What do they love and don't love about photography? You know, getting them to tell you rather than just saying, you know, I'm, uh, my style's really natural, I'm unobtrusive, I'm this, that and the other. You know, that. No, most people want to hear that, but in some way or another, or other people, you know, for them, it's about you getting involved and being part of the crowd. So being discreet and unobtrusive, while it is still possibly a good thing, and you probably will still do that, those aren't the words that are going to make them go, this is the photographer for me. It's hearing that I'm going to be down on the dance floor with them at four o'clock in the morning. That's the thing that's going to make them go, yeah, she's the one. She's different to the others. I still going to say, really. During the ceremony, obviously, I still need to have those qualities, but those aren't the ones that are going to make them book me. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I guess so. How <coughs> like a lot? Of, how do you balance that really with? Because because you are a clever salesperson and a you know experienced salesperson, you could probably sell your service to almost everybody that came along. So how do you balance that? Being able to sell it to, with making sure you're getting the right the kind of clients that you want to have. So because I know you do, you are, you always stay to the end. For instance you place a lot of value on shooting the party and getting involved in the party and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So how do you, how do you like, do you ever get people who come along? I mean, I guess a lot of it's filtered out by your website and the words on there, the pictures yeah. on there, but do yeah. you get people who come along who you get, you can kind of tell that what you do isn't what they want. So at that point, presumably you don't want to be able to sell it, sell it to them. Yeah. I mean, it's rare, honestly, it, it's rare that I feel like I, that I can't deliver to somebody. Right. So I, I'm not, um, I'm quite a, 
multifaceted character myself, right? So if they're not crazy party people, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to do a good job at their wedding or that I'm not the right photographer for them because I can be, you know, elegant and not myself, you know, really, very rarely elegant. But I can, I can deliver elegant photography and, you know, timeless. And, you know, I, w- I would like there to be more fun and energy, but I'm not going to not shoot it. I'm unfortunately not oversubscribed with so many inquiries that I can't deliver every single one of them, right? That would be a lovely problem to have. So it's rare that someone comes along where I think, I really don't want to shoot this wedding. And often, I can tell, you know, when you sometimes do get an inquiry, you can tell by how something's written that we're probably not ideal. But I think generally natural selection just sorts that out because either the price won't be right or um, they're they're talking to other people who are maybe just a better fit for them anyway, just doesn't go anywhere. But the one thing, because I've got my pricing on my website, as a as starting from that does filter out some people um and my instagram and um website very kind of heavily focus on like the the party and the moments and you know quite nice portraits i suppose so i think mostly the right people choose me or the, or the right people get in contact and then they'd have to be awful for me to want to you know Turn deselect myself you know yeah, yeah, from, yeah, from yeah. that so it just doesn't happen very often. I think, you know, when I don't get booked, that's obviously we weren't right for each other, but they realise that too in some way. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But so on the whole, because I have my own views about the whole ideal client um, mantra thing, you know, when people go on about find your ideal client and this yeah. and the other. Hate. Hate it. <laughs> no, Kate. Like they'll be like, like Kate oh, is yeah, yeah. the client. It's like, that's very specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've joked about it before. It's like Kate who shops at Waitrose on a Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. and then comes mm. home and has three quarters of a glass of Verve Clico in a, you know, yeah. and it's like, what are you doing? About, I've always, it's, I mean, obviously there's, there is that kind of, it's kind of what you talk talked about really, the whole natural selection thing. Like if you show the yeah. right pictures and talk talk in a certain way, yeah, um, then that's going to kind of deselect people before they even get to you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but I've always said that, like, for me, the ideal client is somebody who's having a wedding and likes what I do and wants to pay the price that I'm charging. Yeah, exactly. Exactly the same. And, and that may be me coming from my sort of business background, as in this is business, this is so, so anyone's money is good for me, you know, as long as they're not awful to work with. Like, if they were genuinely awful and I wasn't going to enjoy it, then I might find a way to excuse myself. But they'd have to be, yeah, just thankfully, yeah. you don't come across that many people. So I will adapt my, style well i don't even think i really have to do that i just adapt what i say for yeah. them to book me and i'll still work the way that i normally work on the day it's just yeah. sometimes you can be a little bit cheekier based on knowing that they're cheeky sometimes you have to be a little bit more reserved because they're not ready for the full nvb experience yet, you know <laughs> i realize midway through the wedding that they are but you know at the beginning it's just about just easing yourself in yeah. In the right, calmly, in the right way, I think. Because it's a, it's a people business, obviously. But I've always believed that my clients don't need to be clones of me for yeah. me to be good for them as a photographer or them to be good for me as yeah. clients. Yeah. And also just, I mean, this might be a tiny bit controversial, but the whole, you know, the whole, it's like this, it's like this red flag thing that people talk about when, when you get an inquiry through and, the, and it maybe says this and that's a red flag or you're speaking to them on Skype and, the, and they say this and that's a red flag. Mm. Like how much... I mean, this is my opinion, so I'm not forcing my opinion onto you. But how much do you think the red flag mentality is ego? Because I think a lot of that is just ego saying, well, I don't want to shoot that if they're saying this. 
Yeah, no, I have none of that. As I said, like, you know, I'm in it for, I'm a business person, right? I am an, I am an artist, but I'm a business person foremost, and I need to take their money, do a good job, and feed my children and pay my mortgage. So, I mean, it'd have to be a really, like, super bright red flag for me to think, oh, I can't work through this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe things like I'm like, no, oh, you know, the groom, you know, oh, the bride's a bit worried about, you know, bridal prepper doesn't feel like she needs it. But to me, that's just an opportunity to help her see the value in, you know, there's, there's, it's not an obstacle and it's not a red flag. It's a, she needs some help in some way. Like she, yeah, yeah. I doubt she doesn't value these. She just needs to hear something else from me, which is that I'm, you know, I'm going to be able to settle in and become unobtrusive at the beginning. And she doesn't need to worry about, taking her clothes off in front of me you know that kind of thing i could i can either leave the room if it's a real issue or you know just um work my way into affection some way so i see it as a little bit of right there's some work to do here what what do they need to hear so there's very rarely like a wedding i just think oh i can't shoot this yeah i can't imagine what just goes back to listen, listening again, like you were saying earlier just yeah. like listening to those things and not seeing them as like a bad red flag but saying exactly oh, why is it why why what makes you feel that or oh interesting tell me you know and get them to talk and then they'll probably just open up because no one else bothers to ask necessarily probably open up to what they're really concerned about and then you've sort of become their like i would say that counselor sounds too dark i mean (laughs) yeah i know you mean their advisor their trusted advisor oh like she cares enough she cares enough to find a solution to this or to at least hear me out. And I think that just sets you apart again in that you're listening rather than talking. Yeah, definitely. I, I think some of the um, clients, I was going to say brides, but that sounds mean like it's always the women, but um, mm-hmm. some of my clients who have been like more, maybe seemed a bit more high maintenance have ended up being my favorite clients because yeah. sometimes it's just a case of going, it's almost saying, yeah, I care about that too. You know, yeah. when they bring when they bring something up that they're concerned about and we might go, oh, I can't believe you think even asking me that. Yeah. But instead, you go. Well, I care about that too, and then you work yeah. through it with them. So yeah, no, definitely. So uh, how does? Because obviously, there's two kind of mindsets in wedding photography that I've seen over the last five, six more years. One is where people try and make all their money from shooting weddings, so it's just literally go out and kind of almost a hundred percent profit business. You just shoot and you give them the files. Yeah. And then there's what you do, which is place a high value on selling additional products, especially albums. Mm-hmm to shoot less but make the same amount of money as you would have made by shooting loads more and being out of the house loads more but trying yeah. to make more money per client so yeah. how did you is how did you settle into that kind of way of working as opposed I to the think, other one? you know i know like the smarter move you know with a vat threshold is to just shoot as much you know high profit the highest margin um that you possibly can and that does make sense right but i'm in this because that well the whole client going back to the conversation about pleasing your clients and being accountable to your clients the reason i sell albums is because i feel like that is the photo at the end of the day like digital images are images but they're not really photos you know if you if if you look at how we enjoy photos from the past i just can't see a future where you know I mean, there may well be, but at the moment, I can't see a way that we're going to easily enjoy those as easily as we do with a printed product. So like, I got married nearly 11 years, is it 11 years? Yeah, I should know that, shouldn't I? Like about 11 years ago. And 
I've got 2,000 photos on a DVD. Um, a DVD, I don't even have a DVD. Like, I might have a, uh, you know external one, but then it needs a, an adapter and a dongle for the adapter and a phalange for the dongle for the adapter. You know, like, just to actually plug it in today. So how many times have I looked at those photos? Once. Yeah, when yeah. I first got them, you know, because it's 2,000 as well. Yeah, 2,000 photos. But how many times have I looked at my wedding album or the, the ones that we've got printed in these little print boxes or the ones that are up on the wall? Loads, loads and loads and loads because people say, show me your wedding photos. That's what I'm going to reach to. I don't reach for my DVD or if I even have a slideshow, I can't even remember. Like, would I know where the link to that is? No. And also, who wants to sit through 2,000 photos apart from my grandma? Yeah. Dead, so she can't, but you know, <laughs> uh, but someone else's grandma might. Yeah. So it's like they'd much rather look through a hundred photos in a 15, 20 page book, you know, and go, right, thank you very much. I've seen your wedding. I feel like I was there. Lovely. Let's move on. You know, yeah. death by yeah. wedding photo. You have no friends left. So it's for that reason that I'm really passionate about giving them something like that because I know I put so much heart and soul into editing and taking these 800 or so photos. Like I want, I want them to see the, like as many of them as possible, enjoy the memories from them because they are your memories. Otherwise, what is the point? What is the point in spending this much money on us if we're not going to deliver a product that they can actually enjoy the photos and make those memories that we all talk about in our website? So for me, I feel like I shortchanged them if I don't give them a mechanism by which to easily enjoy those photos in the future. Yeah. And that's the reason I do it. So it's not necessarily the highest margin. I mean, I do make, you know, high margin from my album. So I feel like I can work less and still make good money. It isn't the most efficient, the highest margin way of doing it. No, but I feel authentically that I'm delivering the right service for my clients and that they will thank me in the future, even if they don't realise today, like how vital that was. Yeah, and you get fewer guilt trips from your daughters as well, then because you're not going out as many times. Exactly, so it's I mean, whatever. It's, it's what works for you, isn't it? As well, it has to work for me because you know, I the one of the reasons I changed my corporate career as well is because you know, having a family, just being out of the house at seven in the morning and home at nine o'clock at night. I mean, that's all good and well when you're sing- young and single no one to be bothered by that but I want to be around for my children and you know doing this kind of job means and and the way that I do it means I can work later at night and I can do all the school runs and all the school clubs and to all intents and purposes well they'll still guilt trip me about the little bit of work they see me doing you know like I'm 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 working hard but on my own hours really so that that works yeah so yeah I mean it's a balance of money because it is a good substitute for shooting weddings is just like a few hours extra work and you've made the same as you would have done in in shooting a whole wedding and none of the effort required to do that but genuinely I think it's the right thing for our clients to have something tangible to look at easily and pass down to future generations. I think it's crucial to believe that as well if you're going to be able to sell albums well. Yeah. I don't think you can say that and not mean it or not believe it and then try and sell albums. No. I mean, the, the other crucial thing about self-employment is you can do any of that with a glass of wine in your hand, apart from obviously being at a wedding. Now you're talking my language. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. The, but on the whole album thing, like um, the other the other thing to talk about with albums is some people think they can never mention an album 
shoot the wedding, have all these pictures, and then attempt to sell an album. Mm. But, but you don't believe that, do you? It's just so much easier to get it in up front, I think, because, you know, they're in spending money mode <clears throat> when they're booking stuff for their wedding. They're expecting to spend money. Whereas if you try and catch them after the wedding, they're all spent out, you know. <laughs> they might have been able to eke out that extra £500 because you can justify anything when you're in the process of getting married afterwards when you feel like you're broke i just don't think that's a good time or they're maybe moving house or then pregnant or you know trying to start a family so they've moved on mentally a bit yeah yeah so i just think get it in first and then it's part of the workflow and it will get done also yeah. there is the aspect of it will get done whereas you know i don't really care if they add it on afterwards as long as they're going to do it. But yeah. I have seen from those, those that do just go for digital package that think they're going to add the album on later. They just don't get around to it. And then like five years later, you really must do that album. You know, like, yes, you really must. It's five years will turn into 10 years will turn into never. Yeah. And yeah, I feel yeah. sad for them. You know, yeah. I feel sad for my wallet a little bit, but I feel more, <laughs> I feel more sad for them that they're not going to have probably a professionally produced album. They might just end up, ashing something together themselves and it looking yeah. you know, like all right, but not great. Yeah, so yeah. get it in up front um, um, is, is my kind of philosophy because it works for them and for me. Really. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose even if, even if you're not actually managing to sell them the album as part of that initial package, just the fact you've had conversations about it and it's been part of your, yeah, you know, that means it's more like you're more likely, even if you're saying it's not that likely in, in a lot of cases to sell it after the fact you're much more likely to sell it because you've had it, because it's been part of the It's, it's an easier sell then. So I, mean, I don't want to discourage anybody who's thinking, oh, damn, I didn't sell it up front. I might as well give up. It's, that's definitely not the case. Like People do buy them afterwards. And, and actually, I, I produce, produce, this is sound really like fancy, doesn't it? I, like, I make albums for people whose weddings I didn't shoot, who five years down the line do realise they should have got their wedding album sorted and they didn't. So... Um, that people will realise at some point, but they're coming to me, not their photographer. You know, I don't understand why in many cases. So you know, they might realise and then just go and give their money to somebody else rather than you. So that's the uh, that's not a, a great situation either. Um, I'm sure, it's going to say something more profound than that. What did you actually ask me? Before? I can't remember. <laughs> but you know, so I mean, I know your your philosophy with albums is to sell them is to kind of sell them relatively cost effectively with not very many pictures in. And then, yeah. and then, uh, upsell, upsell afterwards. So sell additional yeah. pictures and make a bigger album or whatever it yeah. is af afterwards. That's so, the, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, that, that must be like, uh, it's a tricky mindset to get into that for a lot of people who think, who, who I think look at the upsell in the wrong way in that you're just trying to sting them afterwards for extra yeah. stuff. But yeah. I suppose there's two ways of thinking about it. One is, I guess, like you're saying, if you get, if you can get an album into that, into that early package, the album will then get made and give you that opportunity to make that upsell. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, for clients, making it a manageable like investment up front, like if I told them how much they probably will end up spending on their album, they might not even book me as a photographer, let alone include the album in the package. They might just think, no way. <laughs> um, whereas if you kind of make, if you let them buy into something, which generally they can have. So for me, it's a 500 pound album discounted from 600 pounds if they include it at the time of booking um that's a that's a highlights album and i sell it as such so you know it's it's a stake in the ground and i'll say to them if you only ever walk away with this album 
then you've still got a really beautiful highlights of, of the day, like laid out in print for you to enjoy forever and ever more. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think it's important that it is something that stands up on its own. Like it's not a, oh, you said, you know, you told me the album was going to cost £500 and it's cost £1,500. It's like, yeah, because you chose way more photos and, you, and I've over-delivered. If I've, picked, if I've given you so many more photos, that, that you can't feel that you can get it down to the 50 to 60, the highlights. If you want a full story rather than the highlights, then it is going to cost you more. And I think they understand that. I, like it's a jokey thing, you know, that they, but I think if you couldn't deliver a 500 pound album in 10 spreads, you know, that's disingenuous then, isn't it? So it's yeah. got to be something that you authentically can deliver that if they don't upgrade, it's still a really nice product at the end of the day. It doesn't impact your brand because you don't want to feel like you've like sold them a kipper, basically. So yeah, I you're, not, not, you're, not, you're not just selling the front cover, are you? Selling yeah, selling exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is a beautiful, for me, it's like all, like all the, the basics. So I, I don't add in the extra trimmings like genuine leather and the fine art print and all that. So it, it's basic, but it's beautiful still on its own. Like I, I would proudly give it to a client and not feel like, oh my God, they've got the basic one. You know, I would not feel like that at all. But it's all, for me, it's all about the images. So how, and I say this to them, like how can you decide how big an album you want and how many photos? I haven't even shot the wedding, let alone you even seeing the photos. And they get that. And it's just nice to take one more decision out of their hands because they're, you know, they just want to know, are they booking an album in or not, you know, because then they're onto the florist and then they're onto the band and then they're onto, you know, the favor provider and the cake supplier. And they've got so many other decisions to make. So for me, I just keep it really simple, include an album or not, you know, and then we've got a separate process to decide exactly all the finer details of the album when you've seen your photos and you know how much you love them and how many of them you love. And they just are seemingly really thankful for simplifying it for them. Nice. And then it gives me another opportunity to come back to them and keep that relationship going as well. So I know some people like to deliver and run, you know, and that's it. Never speak to your clients ever again. But I, I'm more of a high touch model anyway, you know, where I'll speak to them before, during, you know, and afterwards. And then hopefully continually when they recommend me to their friends and family. So I like the fact it keeps them hooked in a bit longer that we're going to yeah. have to prolong that relationship. No, it's good. It's good. And I know normally, <clears throat> I don't know if you do it for everyone, but normally you'd have people over and do the whole in-person sales thing for that part of the process. Yeah. That'd be for most of your clients, if they can um, get to it. I mean, traditionally it used to be, obviously. Yeah. I mean, everything's been on hold a little bit this year. I like it um, because I think it just feels more of an experience when they're sitting with me and I can, I can uh, control the environment. You know, I can give them a glass of champagne when they walk through the door and have candles and music set. And I can make it a really nice experience that then gets them in the mood for feeling a bit indulgent, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and when they're feeling a bit indulgent and they'll spoil themselves and they've had a nice time, they'll feel more inclined, I think, to add more photos in and, you know, treat themselves a bit. Whereas if, and I can do this over Skype and I do, or Zoom, you know, anything. Um, you just can't control what's going on at the other end, you know, dog barking or yeah, the baby yeah. crying or, you know, mother and the soul, the postman's ringing. And it just, it just constantly gets them out of what we're doing. So actually, I mean, it's more productive. I can focus and get it done and 
sit there and get, <clears throat> get them to make the decisions. And I can say, no, no, choose between these two photos. Like they're practically the same. Pick one now, you know, and then we do it together. And then what we're left with at the end of it is something I can really quickly go away and design an album because we've done the humming and hawing, you know, it's done there and then. And, uh, and then I rarely get any changes or like it'd be a couple of minor changes. So as soon as once I put that effort in with them in person, it means probably I have very little to do after that bang an album out really quickly in terms of a design approve it pay go whereas if i did it all remotely there might be like however many rounds of changes back and forth and oh you know change oh actually no we liked it better change it back and you know all of that just you know (laughs) so it can be done i just find it's it's just slicker and i like to see my clients you know I, i like the experience but it doesn't only have to be that way. And I wouldn't want to put people off thinking, oh, I don't want people in my house or I don't want to go to a hotel and do it with them. It can actually, and has successfully been done with my international clients, you know, if you like, you just can't get to me. Um, you can do it that way. And it just, thankfully, we've all got used to using technology to do things remotely. So just like we're doing now, I would just do a screen share and say, right, look at these two photos. They're the same. Let's pick one of these and it's just not as nice an experience doing it online it's always for me nicer to meet people in person yeah yeah do you find right? yourself just do you sell more when it's in person is there any difference um i find i think <clears throat> a little bit right i mean i have i have got some remote clients that are just i'm like how much are you spending on your album like really so it's it can be done, right? It can be done remotely. I think a lot of it depends on the client, but I feel if they are a little bit, you know, um, feeling the pinch of it, I find the fact that they're with me in person means that they'll make a decision. I can kind of work with them to get over that hurdle because they're in my house, you know? And you pass and them I another can- glass of champagne. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, or you can see, you can sense who it is that's, that needs the working on, you know, and often I actually find it's, it's the groom that's like, just have it, darling, you know, like you just, just, it doesn't matter. We're only doing this once. Right. Whereas that conversation would probably be going on, not in front of me if it was remotely. And then they might talk each other into, Oh no, it's too much. Let's not, let's pair it back. And then they come back and make all these changes that you didn't agree. And it just adds more time. Whereas I find that I can close the sale a bit. That sounds really ruthless, but, <laughs> I, can, I can I can read I can read their body language I can read when I give them like an indication of how much this is going to cost is that okay or not and who yeah. is or isn't okay with it yeah. and then I can work on that and because I know my clients uh, I can use language that is meaningful to them like you know if, if they go away to like on European city breaks as their thing you know I can just say look just do that once less in the rest of your lifetime together do you think you could maybe go on one less trip to Paris in the whole lifetime together for the sake of having this album? They'll go, yeah, of course we can. Great. Well, then treat yourselves. And then they'll come to that decision. And it's almost like they've decided, you know, so it's less likely to be derailed. Whereas if I let, if I don't see that conversation happening, yeah. who knows like, what's happening in the living room, you know, in their living room afterwards when I've told them the price probably like scare each other out of it you know yeah so it's more i mean it's more it's, it's the whole the, i feel like the theme of this whole episode has been listening because it's yeah. more it's more just about listening like the sale comes from listening and, and yeah. respond. It's, it's like classic negotiation in a lot of ways but um 
just to finish then, I mean, obviously they're talking about like in-person versus online. And I think in the last five years, six years, like six years ago, for instance, most wedding photographers would meet their couples before the wedding at yeah. a coffee shop or a hotel or at the house or yeah. the couple's house or whatever it was. Yeah. And then it gradually started to move to people started to doing it on Skype. Yeah. Uh, and in those early days, it was almost like a bold thing. It's like, oh, you'll never get a booking if you're trying to meet everyone on Skype. Nobody will ever book with you because you need to meet them and have a coffee and all the rest of it. And then gradually, gradually, pretty much everybody now, I think, is mostly meeting their couples on online. Yeah. So, and I've always been a big believer in business that you need to be doing things differently to everybody else in a lot of ways. And also, like, I've started to think, well, if everybody's doing it online, the way, one way to stand out now is to offer an, in, an in-person face-to-face meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh I don't know what my question is here but do you think that do you think that's a thing do you think that's something that you're going to I mean you you clearly value the in person thing anyway as part of the sales yeah. process. Yeah. But do you think it's a bad thing or a good thing that people are moving like virtually all their stuff online? Well, I mean I think I think you have to do what works for the client really. So if because you know depending on who you work with, i don't have a very local market necessarily like um i could be shooting a wedding like up in scotland and they're not going to come down just for that meeting if they happen to be down in london then great you know we might we might find a reason but i don't want to slow the inquiry process up by making that happen like if, yeah. if it can just happen if, if they can just say look oh can we meet tomorrow or something then I know if I meet them, I'm probably much more likely to secure them straight away, right? Yeah. Uh, like on the spot even. So I like to meet clients, but I don't generally make that happen. It's usually down to them. Like if they want to meet or if they ask to meet, I will say yes, if I can. I don't, I don't try to make that part of the process because I think they might book someone else in the interim, you know, if they yeah. then go and have a Skype and I'm not meeting them till three days' time, that's just a chance that something else could happen. Yeah. So I don't want to delay it. Um, in an ideal world, if they came to me, like straight after when they inquired, I'd love to shoot. I'd love to, sorry, I'd love to meet them in person and do the whole sales process in person. But it doesn't work logistically. It's an extra sometimes barrier to the couples, you know, um, because they've got to find a time they can both do and then that work doesn't get in the way and then it isn't too far out. And so I just find in today's fast moving world, it's just logistically not the best way to do things. I think experientially it is the best way to do it, but I think we might just lose business in the process. So I'm always about immediacy. Like as soon as I see my inquiry, almost whatever time of day or night, (laughs) 4am, I'll respond to it straight away and I'll, I won't text them. I might text them in the morning. So I don't want to be rude. Yeah, yeah. I might like text them uh, an appropriate early time in the morning to say, just let you know, I replied to your email last night in case it ends up in junk and try and get them on the phone. And I can't, I would, even if it can't be Skype, like I would just rather get them talking to me as soon as possible. I don't want to do it via email because of all the stuff that we've talked about. Yeah. Voice energy, reading how they are, which is super hard to do on email. So I want to hear their voice and I want them to hear my voice. So I, I book most of my clients by talking to them on the telephone or maybe a Skype session and very rarely in person. Right. Do you offer? Do you always offer to meet in person? I don't offer because, like I said, I don't want it to be the thing that the logistics of that being the thing that possibly derails my sale. Yeah. Right? 
because I just think there's just, it just will take time. If they say, I'm in the area, are you free tomorrow morning? Then I'll say yes, right? Because it's quick. It's unlikely they're going to book or something's going to happen between now and tomorrow morning where we're not going to meet. But I would probably still try and I wouldn't, I probably still try and have some of the conversation so that I've got them emotionally booked in mentally, you know, so that they don't cancel on me tomorrow because they booked someone tonight, you know? Yeah. So I think I still would do some of the rapport building, early engagement, asking lots of questions, showing interest in them. I'd still do that on the telephone at the point, you know, before we're going to meet, just so that we are going to have that meeting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah. I think just before we finish, though, I mean, you mentioned it kind of what, I feel bad really here because we've not really talked about photography and obviously your photography is incredible. So I'll just, I'll just want to say that um, the um, you mentioned at one, like almost like flippantly, you said that you about, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was about closing the sale and like asking for the sale and you were yeah. able, able to book people at the meeting or whatever. Yeah. That, that's something that I think vast majority of photographers find incredibly difficult. You ne- will yeah. nearly, I mean, I'm the same. We'll nearly always finish a meeting by going anyway, go away and talk about it. You don't have to tell me now. Uh, yeah. I feel awkward. Anyway, just you guys just give, drop me an email whenever. Yeah. Like, if you could give tips for closing a sale and, and asking for a sale, what, what have you got any? Um, yeah, ask for it. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. Like if you've done, the, if you've done some of the, the good stuff in advance, right. If you show interest in them, talk to them and listen to, right. You've already got the relationship. You've hopefully got a feel for, how they are, you know, what's important to them about their photography, um, what's, what's going to make them choose you. You know, if you've, answered, if, you've got, if you've asked all the right questions by talking to them, you'll know whether you're a good fit for them. You'll know if you're too expensive for them, probably, like based on what they're telling you. Or, but so then the easy thing is just to ask the questions. And if you've done that bit, it won't be cheeky. It won't sound as salesy as you think it is. Because you've given them all of this information. Well, just rewind a little bit. Like when you ask all those questions, you're showing interest. At some point, you will talk about your experience and how, how much you can bring to the table. And they'll see what an asset you are to have at their wedding because you've got, you know, you, you're starting helping them to think of things that they hadn't thought about. And you're showing value already. I guess that's the word. Like, like find a way to show value. You show value by understanding what they need to hear and then showing how you can deliver upon that. So once you've done that, you've given so much to them in the conversation. So I see it as a, now it's your time to give me something, right? And I, and I justifiably feel like I've given you my love and my energy, my time and my interest. Now I've got a few questions for you that I want to know, right? It is, how are you going to make this decision? Like, where are you in the process? So who, who, who else are you talking to? Um, how do I compare to the people that you've seen so far? Well, how does my photography compare? Does it look like the kind of thing you're after? Like, are, do you have any reservations? Do you have any, what would stop you going ahead with me now? Right. Just asking those questions. Like, do any of those sound like forceful sales questions? No. I'm, ask, I'm asking you, Adam. No, do, no. Any, do any of those sound like a question? like, don't ask me that. Does any of no. it sound like that? No, it doesn't, does it? It sounds like something that they could easily answer and say, well, look, we absolutely love your work. Like yours is definitely the best that we've seen. To be honest, you're quite, you're at the top end of our budget or 
something like that. And then we know that it's not about style. I don't need to show them any more slideshows. I don't need to show them any more of my work. I know the thing we need to work on is can they afford me? And that means we go down another line of conversation all around what do they waste their money on that isn't photography? You know, like don't go to Paris next year, buy my photos instead, you know, or a payment plan or you know if you're inclined to discount you know maybe you can do a bit of discounting to meet their budget but you know what the objection you're dealing with is and if they and if they say well you know we really like your work but um you know your edit's just a bit different we like some of these other you know and they'll show you someone whose work is not like yours then there's no point really talking about the money because that may not be the problem it's now am i the right style for you is my edit the right thing for you or something like that but it just means by asking those questions, you've got a better idea of, you know, what is going, what you need to address to get them over the line. So you have to ask those questions. Otherwise, you're just then putting them back out into the ether where you've got no idea if they're going to book you or not. And, I, and I'm like very tenacious. Like, so I won't give up. If somebody, if it is about price, I will find a way. I will find a way to break it down to show them they can afford me or that the value is there and they they will get a lifetime's value out of that 300 pounds more expensive i might be than the next guy you know yeah my old gal um and i think they like that they can see that i want the business like i'm they don't see it as business right they they see that i want to work with them they see that i care and I'm, i'm bothered enough to fight for it i think it's good. It's interesting though because I think a lot of people, what a lot of people think of it as is they get a, have a meeting and they go, oh, how's it going anyway? Anyway, here's what I do. I come to your wedding. I do this for this much time, and I'd be with you for this many hours. And you know, I love this, and I do these type of pictures. And then they think that, that to close it, they just need to go. So, do you want a book? Yeah. And whereas what you're saying, it's about a lot more than that. It's about questioning and finding yeah. out what might hold them back from yeah taking it's, the next step and all the rest of it. You know, all of the you know when you're saying about. Um, the secret is it's all about listening. It's actually about asking questions. It's asking the right questions. And then you do listen. You have to listen to the answer, but they won't necessarily tell you everything that you need to hear if you don't ask the right questions. So like I'm always thinking, what questions am I going to ask them? Well, I don't, it just becomes part of the pattern, I suppose, now. But if you're doing this as a process, you need to be deconstructing the end point to go, right, well, at the end, I need them to say, you are the right photographer for me. I can afford you. Where do I sign? Right. That's what you need. You need to then ask questions that make them say that. Right. So, you know, so to what degree has what I've shown you tick the boxes? Are there any boxes that aren't ticked? Yes. Okay. Tell me what they are. Let's talk about that. You know, so it shows that you you care about whether you've done enough to win, you know, to win them around, I think. So you just got to change your mindset about while it does mean closing the sale in a business sense and then giving you some money, that is not a bad thing. What that means is that they came looking, they found what they wanted, they're prepared to give you the money for it. So just think of that. I, I, am I fulfilling all of their needs here? And if I have, they're going to have to pay me for it. <laughs> you know, And they're going to have to sign. So why is it a dirty word to talk about a sale is just it's, you sold something to somebody that wanted to buy it. Yeah. Like sales, shop assistants don't feel guilty when they take your money for this dress that you really, really want. Because don't tell people about my dress. Don't, don't tell people about the dress that I just bought. <laughs> Sorry, that's for later. 
uh, yeah, I mean, they, nobody feels guilty about or nobody feels sold to when they go in and buy something they really want. You've just got to make them want it and make them realize that you've got it as well. So it's all about asking the right questions. What do they want? How are they going to decide? You know, what is their budget? Don't be afraid to ask what their budget is. Don't make money awkward. Don't make money awkward. And, and I often have this conversation with my clients when, I, when they'll say, oh, you know, oh, I hate to ask about discount. Like, don't, don't be, you know, I'm not offended by that. <clears throat> Let's just talk about money. Yeah. I don't discount because I feel like I give you so much value and extra value. I don't feel, but let's talk about the value of it. Let's talk about how much more expensive I am than you want to pay. And let's find a way through that. I'm not going to let money be the reason we don't make this happen. Yeah. 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 And then, and it just take it, just, just make it a disarming conversation. Money is not a dirty word. Well, it sounds like, I mean, from the beginning, it sounds like basically what you've done is you've made it all more, a lot more about them than about you. The whole, the whole process. Always. So then Always. getting to the end of it, they're not going to feel ambushed by it being like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I think there's, it's gold. So we'll end it there. Thank you for being on the podcast. Did I ask the right, <laughs> did I ask the right questions and did I listen you to the answers? Did. You teed it up properly <laughs> and I said everything that I wanted to say. This is my favorite podcast in the whole wide world. How do I give you some money for this? Let me pay for it. <laughs> Sign here. Sign here. <laughs> yeah. All right, hit it. Big huge thanks to Nadine for taking time out to talk sales on this episode. I don't know about you, but I took loads from that. Find Nadine at nadinevanbillion.com and on all the socials. You can listen to previous episodes of the Dotcast on your preferred podcast platform. And for more about Nine Dots, head over to nine-dots.co. I'll be back.